AgriTalk is brought to you by Full Scale from Helena. Grow Strong returns this season with breakthrough foliar nutrition from Full Scale at Reproduction. And by Propane. Propane is the energy for everyone, especially farmers. Environmentally friendly propane can fuel most anything on the farm. See how at propane.com. I know. I know. I promised you Chip Flory was going to be here this morning. And Chip is not here. So it is down to you and it is down to me. But don't worry. We've got a whole bunch of stuff to talk about with your two favorite free-for-allers. You know what? No. No. Three. Your three favorite free-for-allers. Live from an unexpected molasses cookie morning via Farm Journal broadcast, this is AgriTalk This Morning. It's our Friday free-for-all with panelist Jim Wiesmeyer and Sean Haney. Now, you see what I did there? I'm implying that I'm the third free-for-aller rounding out your favorites. I'm handsome newsman Davis Michelson filling in for Chip this morning. And you know what? Okay. Uh, Full disclosure, I'm not going to make any promises about this afternoon's show other than I will be here with you in some capacity. I may be able to just read the news, and then sort of space out for a couple of segments and then come back and ask stupid questions. I don't know. Chip may be back here with us. You ever see um, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, uh, Steve Martin and John Candy? That's kind of what Chip's got going on right now as he endeavors to make it home from Louisville after covering the National Farm Machinery Show yesterday. I hope you caught Chip's coverage yesterday. A lot of cool stuff came out. A lot of important ideas from both the machinery side. We also talked with Alan Hoskins from American Farm Mortgage about some financing things. Uh, There was just all kinds of stuff in both the AM and the PM shows of AgriTalk yesterday. If you've got some extra time this weekend and you're thinking, you know, I, I don't know what to do with this time. Maybe I'll go do something stupid. Instead of doing something stupid... Listen to AgriTalk and and see if that doesn't help. And because you can always do something stupid later. I plan to do plenty of stupid things. Um, so uh, yeah, Chip should be back this afternoon if all goes according to plan. But you know how it goes. You make plans and then sometimes life intervenes. It's fine. I'm so pleased to be here. So excited. I was. Uh, we got we got Weismeyer back. We got Haney. They're all here standing by. They can hear me talking right now. They're probably freaking out like, just get to the news. No, I'm not going to do it. Um, it, it's, it's great to have the band back together. Even in the, in the trio format, uh, we were discussing what we want to talk about. And it's going to take us the entire hour today to get through everything. We'll take our time. You know, you got to take your time sometimes. And we're going to do that this morning. And get to the bottom of some of this. Jim's been traveling. Haney's been traveling. We're going to find out where they've been, what they've found. I mean, just uh, I, the the tricky part here is going to be knowing where to start. So, actually, you know what? Let's start with today's news. Where USDA projects America's food and ag exports will drop by 12% through fiscal year 2026. The erosion will be caused by a global economic slowdown, inflation, higher interest rates, and the strong U.S. dollar. Overall, economic conditions are projected to slow U.S. exports quicker than imports, leading to a trade deficit. USDA projections show that exports will drop across the board, 
But grains and soybeans will be hit the hardest. And on that strong U.S. dollar, we were up at the open of uh, of trade this morning. And yet we've, we've got, I would just call it mild strength in corn, beans, scrolling, scrolling. Oh, look, even the wheats are higher across the board there. Uh, what about crude oil? Should we check in there? WTI crude oil, the March contract down $2.50 at $75.99 presently on your uh, your crude oil. Hmm, interesting there. In other news, U.S. supplier prices rose 6% in January from a year earlier, a sign of still stubborn inflationary pressures in the economy. The sum of money owed by U.S. households climbed considerably during the fourth quarter, rising by $394 billion at $16.9 trillion with a T. That's the largest quarter-on-quarter increase in household debt in two decades taking balances substantially higher than before the pandemic. President Biden said intelligence agencies have no indication that three other objects shot down in the same week as a Chinese balloon were foreign surveillance aircraft. He said they were likely tied to commercial or research ventures. Biden says he's planning to speak soon with Chinese President Xi Jinping about an alleged Chinese spy balloon brought down over U.S. territory. Ag Secretary Tom Vilsack says USDA will invest $63 million to bring high-speed Internet access to people living and working in rural areas of Illinois, Minnesota, Michigan, and Mississippi, saying, quote, connecting rural Americans with reliable Internet brings new and innovative ideas to the rest of our country. That $63 million in grants comes from the third round of funding under the ReConnect program in which USDA has invested a total of $1.7 billion dollars lawsuits are piling up against freight rail operator norfolk southern which has faced a public backlash and investor scrutiny over a series of train derailments one led to a chemical disaster in east palestine ohio on february 3rd i'm sure you've heard about that one while another said to be carrying hazardous materials overturned yesterday outside of detroit michigan The House Ag Committee has completed an analysis of the Congressional Budget Office's Farm Bill baseline spending estimates. House Ag Chair Glenn G.T. Thompson said, quote, In light of the record high input costs and volatile markets and weather, improvements to farm policy are necessary and warranted. Now, the perennial Farm Bill fight over spending for nutrition versus commodity programs has become uh, has begun with heated exchanges in the Senate Ag Committee. That could make writing a 2023 farm bill even more difficult. Senator John Bozeman sparred with USDA Undersecretary for Food, Nutrition, and Consumer Services Stacey Dean over a major update to food stamp spending, saying this. The entire farm bill scored at $867 billion. You spent $250 billion unilaterally. Congress had no intention of you doing that. None. And if you understood that that was going to happen, then you should have alerted Congress because it's not just $250 billion. What we're understanding now, we're talking about another $90 billion. So a third of a trillion dollars with an $867 billion bill. I mean, how can we trust you? We'll get more from Jim on that later. The General Accountability Office, or GAO, that's the so-called investigative arm of Congress, is coming under some criticism for being too aggressive in its recommendations on sensitive topics like crop insurance. 
One observer says, quote, GAO spends most of its time second-guessing laws Congress passed in favor of what GAO thinks it should have passed. And this is typically approached from an angle that reflects big city perspectives on things like ag policy. And finally, attention everyone, attention everyone, Dicamba users. EPA set new deadlines for farmers to apply the herbicide dicamba in some states with a June 12 deadline this year in Iowa, Illinois, and Indiana versus a June 20 deadline last year. The deadline for South Dakota is June 20 this year versus June 30 last year. However, Nebraska objected to EPA moving the deadline to June 12 for Nebraska, and the agency said the deadline will remain at June 30 for Nebraska. In Minnesota, the deadline moved to June 12 south of Interstate 94 with a June 30 deadline for areas north of the highway. Lots to talk about with Jim and Sean. And here's the thing. With Chip being gone today, I was supposed to have a dentist appointment today. And they're like, I don't know. He might not be back from from Louisville. You, You might have to take the show. So I rescheduled my dentist appointment. My teeth are fine. I was supposed to get my uh, my front grill, the the final permanent one. Sometimes maybe you can hear it's still it it's still leaking a little bit of air. But don't worry about me. I've got my friends here, Jim, Sean. We're all going to get through this together. It's your pal Davis Michelson on Agri Talk. Stick around. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. On your favorite radio station or your preferred digital device, AgriTalk is live every weekday. We are live right now. In fact, thank you so much for tuning in on your favorite ag radio station or your preferred digital device. Davis Michelson in for the sojourning, the traveling, the on-the-go Chip Flory. Hopefully he'll be back this afternoon. If not, I'll be here. You know, it's cool. Whatever. They pay me to be here, so I'm cool. We're good. Um, it's our Friday free-for-all. Super excited about this. And uh, let me bring in Jim Wiesmeyer. Jim, it's been far too long since anyone's called me Ron. I'm so glad to have you back on. <laughs> I've been on the road all over the place. And I'll yes, be at uh, the Ozarks Tuesday and Wednesday for the Missouri Pork Producers. Oh, no kidding. Yes. So, uh I reckon they're going to put on a heck of a spread down there. The, oh, probably they a buffet do. style thing. Oh, they Are they going to bring out like plates one at a time? What's the what's there, your thought? Nothing, nothing like pork in Missouri from the pork producers. Amen, brother. Amen. Well, so so you say you've been traveling around a lot, and we know this. Uh, we've missed you, by the way. Um, wh- wh- highlights. What's what's been your favorite place to go? Where have you been most recently? Just give us a little. Give us the elevator speech on where you've been, what you've been doing. 
Oh, favorite. I'm not quite sure. But when I always go to Louisiana, in this uh, case, Baton Rouge, mm -hmm. the Louisianans are so nice, the Cajuns. Uh, so I like that. Of course, I was in Florida. Yeah, a consensus wherever I go now is... Uh, uh, you know, farmers are clearly saying the crop insurance program is really their farm program, but they want to know if there's any chance if the Title I in the Farm Bill can really be reformed to get realistic now, because it's it really has too many gaps right now. Ooh, wow. Okay. Well, we'll get into that. Uh, we'll, you know what? We'll get into that. Uh, but first, let me also bring in the Alberta Breeze, Sean Haney. Sean, you, you made the correct call in the Super Bowl last week, buddy. Good work. Yeah, we all did. We, you know, eventually, you know, the 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 executives at ESPN are going to call us over here at AgriTalk. They're going to say, "Hey, this, <laughs> this panel knows what they are talking about." <laughs> I, I'm I, I'm curious from from Jim's perspective. Do people in Missouri hate the show Ozark as much as people in Montana hate Yellowstone? That's a good. I question. didn't get the question. <laughs> well, when you think about when you has has the move has the show Ozark driven a lot of people to move oh, into the area? Like you know, I don't know. I did not. A I'll ask him that. I I don't know, but I'll yeah. ask him that. The, hmm. Like the show, the TV show Nashville, right? People yeah. flooded to that area because they love the TV show. TV shows really drive a lot of this moving about to new places for people. I'm curious because you know, there's a dark side to that show. Yeah, well, I would say Missouri pork producers especially are very confident in their state and of themselves. So I don't think that they care care about, especially on television, whether it's cable or, or free TV, you know, you know, you know what yeah. others may think. That That's well, Missouri. And Jason Bateman is just comes off as so affable, so likable, you know? <laughs> I don't know. I feel yes. like that's got to soften any of the, the sharp edges that that show might have. I watched for... I don't know even how many seasons there are. I, I feel like I watched maybe two or three seasons of it, and then I was like, eh, I got what I needed out of this. I haven't, haven't I, been back. I, I would love to go to the Ozark. It, it looks it looks gorgeous. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm jealous, Jim. Mm -hmm. To get to go to the Ozarks and then also to eat free pork. I mean, come on. That's, how do you, There's that, too. Are you in Kentucky right now, Sean? I am. And speaking of pork, yesterday I had a great great pork sandwich from the kentucky pork producers big oh, shout out yeah. to them at their uh -huh. one of their their kiosks there at freedom hall so yeah I, I enjoyed the national farm machinery show this week uh i think a great turnout yesterday's crowds were fantastic i was a actually able to give uh chip a big high five during one of his commercial breaks mm -hmm. so i did uh, spot him and uh, producer joe yesterday at uh, egg leader but um yeah I, I think they had a really good turnout this week yeah it's it sounded like it and uh well, as you know, we were we were live from there yesterday. A lot of good conversations, a lot of very insightful conversations. Um, and it does seem like there are some important updates coming to the machinery world, even as, you know, I don't know if anybody can even afford some of these machines that were on display over there. But uh, it sounds like there's lots of cool ideas coming down the pike. Yeah. And, you know, John Deere reported earnings today. Um, stock is up uh, in, a, in a healthy manner. They, they beat on uh, fiscal first quarter earnings, strong results. And they're actually also forecasting increasing demand going forward. So not too concerned about where possibly commodity prices go in the back half of 2023, which is a little bit contrary to what some analysts have been have been talking about. But uh, yes, yeah, strong earnings from Deere. Uh, 
people are complaining about equipment prices, but uh, obviously there's demand there. Well, yeah, and I always ask during my speeches, Davis, yes. Uh, yes. You, usually farmers, wh whether they ever own equipment stocks, specifically John Deere, very few mm -hmm. hands raise up. And I go, why not? Why not? Spending that much money and you don't buy, you know, the company, it's called a hedge. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, um, let's let's start here. The Chinese balloon stuff. Um, so now there have also been unmanned, unidentified aircraft downed since then with little explanation. You know, I asked on the uh, on the farmer forum on Wednesday morning, and I had Ted Hamer. You know, you never know what you're going to get with that guy. But you know, if they know it's China, if if the government knows that it's China, are they willing to let people just? think well these are unidentified and let people's minds wander because the possibility that maybe we're being invaded by aliens is less scary than the possibility that china is surveilling us from uh, these weird balloons jim well i don't think they know on the other three they're of course confident on the first one that it was an alleged uh, a chinese spy balloon but these other three they're probably a little embarrassed uh, because it looks like they were private company uh, you know you, you know balloons so at least that's what uh, i gather from the uh, uh, announcements jim are you a little like canada shot one by down what's just going recently on here? too yeah go ahead like, yeah i i think most people are confused because we had too long of a time frame before the president announced anything but to be fair they they just don't know, which is kind of scary. Right. But they let a, a, a Chinese identified balloon travel across the entire continent mm -hmm. and didn't shoot it down. But now and now it seems like we're quick on the trigger and we're shooting kites down like it. It, it just seems like there's a, sort of a reactionary sort of like, you know, they, they've got some polling out where, you know, this is working against us. The fact we let this fly across the country. And, and now we got to look like we're taking action. Like, I, it just seems confusing to me. Well, nobody ever accused the government of being consistent. And two, <laughs> I would hope that we had jamming facilities in place once they realized uh, the alleged China spy balloon. And by the way, they knew it far sooner than they initially said. So yeah. truth telling is not their forte here. Well, and the other thing is, too, I mean, the the redneck in me got all kinds of fired up. We need to shoot that down while they're waiting until it gets over the ocean. Well, you know, there there was potential that if you shoot something down, you don't really know what it is. We don't know what it's carrying. You know, maybe that was the smartest play. And I was happy in that world. But now, you know, like like you said, Sean, now it just seems like we're willing to just shoot down kites out of the sky and not worry about it. I don't know. It's a confusing situation. Well, well, the, the, well, the kite, the other three could have interfered with commercial airlines had they drifted a little bit lower. So that's the other side. Yeah. And a lot of, you know, a lot of geopolitical expert talk that I've read and, and listened to on this original balloon, it, there, there's not a lot of people saying, hey, they would have, you know, that this was some sort of high technology piece of aircraft where they would have figured a whole bunch of stuff out and secrets that, you know, they wouldn't have known otherwise. It's it, a lot of, a lot of people are kind of poo pooing it. Um, it seems that, you know, a lot has been made about this that shouldn't have been in the first place. Hmm. That's an interesting thought that get, that literally gave me pause, Sean. Um, <laughs> so uh, let's see. I don't know if we have time to move on to a, to another one here. I'll just, I'll throw the top, 
topic out there, and then we'll talk about it on the other side of the break here. Uh, but the the Ohio train debacle. Now, the, one could get all weird about this. A town of Trump supporters in the Midwest has a train dump a bunch of chemicals onto it. Doesn't seem to matter to D.C. Now we'll test the theory that it's related to that. Because, Jim, as I understand, another train has derailed outside of Detroit? Yes, yes. Uh, there's uh, there's going to be some a uh, lot of lawsuits on on this one. And again, the consistency or the lack thereof of the Biden administration on this issue is just bewildering. Uh, but this is a serious uh, episode. And where, where was Treasury, uh, Treasury, Transpor- uh, Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg? on this one. He's coming under a lot of criticism here. And Michael Regan now has finally issued a thing saying that they want the communities to know that uh, they're they're well aware of this. They'll want to get to the bottom of this. But this goes into the, uh, uh, the, they're going to have to revise the notification when you have any hazardous material uh, on a train. Uh, And, Mm. uh, you know, that could have been, that should have been caught, but it wasn't. Mm. Indeed. Um, we'll come back with more on the free-for-all. Jim Wiesmeyer, the Alberta Breeze. Sean Haney joins us as well. It's your pal, Davis Michelson. I hope you'll stick around. Lots more conversation, lots more ground to cover here on AgriTalk. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. Time for Markets Now with the experts from ProFarmer. Joining us now, ProFarmer editor Brian Grady. Brian, earlier this morning, the dollar was uh, looking pretty stout, strengthened the dollar to start. Um, I haven't looked lately, but we've got just some mild strength in corn and soybeans here. Even in the wheat complex, has the dollar faded as trade has, has gone on today? It, it has, Davis. Uh, it's still trading almost 300 points higher, so okay. pretty solidly higher. It, it was upwards of 700 points higher earlier in the uh, session. So, in uh, the crude oil market, uh, front end of the market's more than $2 lower. So, uh, the outside markets are negative, but like you said, slightly uh, firmer tone in corn and soybeans, one to two cents higher in, in those two markets. Uh, but, you know, really, it's kind of just directionless trade. It, it's really quiet, uh, just kind of choppy stuff here as we go into what we will be an extended weekend uh, markets are closed on monday for president's day well yeah and that sort of directionless trade seems very evident in the soy complex meal and oil don't know what to do today yeah um a little bit of mixed action in the meal market and uh just a little bit weaker in in soy oil but uh really uh given the sharp losses in crude oil um soy oil is performing uh relatively well 
Strength in corn, not scary at all to the fat cattle market, at least on the front end of the market. No, and, uh, you know, still anticipating uh, higher cash trade, uh, waiting on that to develop. We'll see where that comes from. Uh, that strength in the, uh, the corn market is causing just a little bit of weakness in some of the feeder cattle contracts, uh, but kind of a mixed tone and, and actually mostly firmer with the front end uh, trading to the upside. And we've got lean hogs higher, up 55 in the April contract, out to the July, up 80 cents. That's Pro Farmer Editor Brian Grady right here on AgriTalk for Markets Now. Thanks, Brian. Opinions expressed on AgriTalk do not necessarily reflect the views of Farm Journal Broadcasting, affiliate stations, or sponsors. When news breaks, the newsmakers talk about it on AgriTalk with Chip Flory. Speaking of Chip Flory, warm, fuzzy thoughts out to Chip Flory, our beloved host. He's making his way home. Safe travels, homie. We'll hope to catch up with you this afternoon on AgriTalk, this afternoon's show. For now, I've got Jim Wiesmeyer. Sean Haney on the free for all this morning. We were we had begun talking about. I don't want to go too far into this. We'd begun talking about the Ohio train derailment, and Jim, you wondered where uh, where's Mayor Pete on this, the Secretary of Transportation. Now, my down a rabbit trail in my my own little brain. You, I believe it was you who had reported on a survey of um, Democratic voters, and a large percentage the. A solid majority, even among those who are happy with Biden's performance, say that they don't think he should run again. Um, I know that Pete Buttigieg at some points was thought of as maybe a, a follow-up candidate. Does this kind of does this Ohio train thing kind of shoot that down for Mayor Pete? Well, that and other things. Remember, uh, I say in my speeches. Remember the day when all airlines were shut down until nine yep. o'clock a.m. ET. Who's Who's responsible for that uh, call? That was well. The him. transportation department seemed pretty silent on that as well. Yes, that's true. So yeah, his his uh, bloom has uh, come off, and uh, so mm. he's lowering now in the possible alternative candidates. But you're right; polls are very consistent that the vast majority of Americans, including Democrats, do not think that Biden should run for a second term. Well, he even... is eighty years yeah. old. 80 yeah. yeah there has yeah. to be somebody <laughs> you, that's, you, you, that's the you thing. gotta have somebody because i've that, talked that, to to biden supporters i've talked to real full-fledged actual democrats and they're like yeah biden's our guy what i don't know what these polls are talking about but but yeah he's our guy uh are, are, are they not concerned with that well, it depends who's who's the uh, GOP candidate. If it's mm. uh, uh, Trump, uh, most people know that uh, uh, Biden can beat Trump. He did it once. He'll do it again. Now, if it's another yeah. uh, candidate, then I think your uh, your pressure uh, will be on uh, Biden to to win primaries. He may not be able to win. That's why they chose South Carolina as the first Democratic primary, because he wants to hit the ground running because he wouldn't have won New Hampshire and he won't. Why are we so uncomfortable with fresh faces? This is like being addicted to 80s wrestling. There is <laughs> no reason for this. And, and and what's what's so fascinating on the the Democrat side of the aisle is you know we we mentioned you know maybe some of the the bloom being off the rose of Pete Buttigieg, v- Vice President Ka- Kamala Harris 
has she hasn't fared very well either. I, I wouldn't say that she's a super strong candidate at this point. It just feels feels like the fields are just so weak. Like we we saw uh, Haley bring you know announce her her candidacy this week, and you know it's 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 kind of a ho hum thing for for Nikki Haley. Like it it just feels like nobody has any real like I am here and it's going to swoop in and and take this thing, uh, the old guard is still hanging on. Well, I think Nikki was correct uh, in saying uh, th- there needs to be a new generation to lead the country. It's that time. Two is uh, she needs to develop a little bit more why she wants to be president. But uh, I think the Republicans have a pretty good farm club coming up here in the presidential contest. So we'll see. I, I personally think it's Ron DeSantis to lose, uh, mm-hmm. and he can galvanize a lot of votes. So one thing I've been reading, Jim, I'm interested in your perspective on this, is a lot of people think like DeSantis has played the hand very well to really ignore Trump and just sort of like, you know, keep on mm-hmm. spinning over there and calling me names. Um, but at some point, does he have to address some of the things that uh, former President Trump is saying about him or just continue ignoring? What do you think? Well, if it was Biden on that one, he would just ignore it. He did during his initial campaign. So I think it'll be a mixture. But uh, so far, he's done quite well in in dealing with Trump. But uh, when the onslaught comes from Trump and his people, he's got to be ready. That's just that's just based on history. And Trump wants as many Republicans to run as possible because of the winner take all, mostly Republican primaries. That's how he wanted the first time. So the Republicans are probably going to have to narrow the field uh, pretty quickly in order to diffuse uh, you know, you know, Trump's chances. Yeah. Davis, one thing that I've read this mm-hmm. week is that uh, for some of the, the candidates on the Republican side, they're they're really caught in the middle. So Nikki Haley is an example, and so is uh, former Vice President Pence, where they, for moderate Republicans, they're non-starters because they were affiliated with President Trump. Right. And for the true mega crowd, they're not good candidates because they're not seen as being loyal to former President Trump. Mm-hmm. And so they, they're going to have a hard time catching some wind in their sail. Agreed. And that it, it puts, you know, Pence's stance on January 6th kind of puts him right on that tipping point of distancing himself from Trump and yet at the same time still kind of, I don't know, would you say he's still soiled by uh, by his associations with President Trump? Jim? Oh, absolutely. Not, nice nice guy can't get the votes because of yeah. the Trumpsters. They've written him off. And yeah. uh, again, he just, you know, he's in the lower tier. Jim, I want to ask you about a story. Uh, Sean, I'm fascinated to hear if you have any thoughts on this. Jim, you featured a uh, story by Seymour Hirsch from Substack.com, how America took out the Nord Stream pipeline. This has been super controversial. We've been too busy talking about Ohio train fires and balloons to uh, to really get into this. Uh, Seymour Hirsch is a legit journalist, bro. He comes from way back. Uh, if, As I understand, he he broke the Guantanamo Bay uh atrocities story wrote some some stuff pretty critical of the military in vietnam and now suddenly uh there are those who would say he's a crazy person because he has put together the breadcrumbs and believes america took out the Nord Stream pipeline your thoughts 
Yeah, well, it's interesting how many of the media didn't even cover it. Uh, right. So that's that's consistent there and that they haven't covered other certain things over the past few years. But second, he is a good investigative journalist. Now, other people want more proof. Uh, Ian Bremer, who's a very, again, international analyst, a really good guy, he, he has refuted uh, uh, that by Seymour Hirsch, and he was supposed to be speaking today, but I haven't seen anything yet. Uh, but again, it raises a lot of questions. We don't have the answers. Mm-hmm. Real spy novel stuff here. It is. Yeah. It's fascinating. Yeah. Well, Sean, I'm sure even you, you have seen the video of Biden saying if Russia invades Ukraine, they will not have a Nord Stream pipeline. Well, what do you mean by that? We have our ways. I'm paraphrasing. <laughs> Yeah. What are we to take you know, that to mean? <laughs> you you can read a lot of different ways into that for sure. I I I really hope that this is wrong. That 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 this isn't what happened because if you're We're Germany you got a lot of trouble. questions if if it's yeah. true. Yeah. Indeed. Um moving on, premature electrification. If you watch the Super Bowl, um, boy, the EV manufacturers were tr- sure trying to put a friendly face on electric vehicles and even back away a little bit saying, yeah, we're going to take our time when the time is right. We have a product that's available for you that you will like. Sean. Yeah, I actually saw my first Rivian. Is that how you say it? Rivian, I believe. Uh, I saw my first Rivian truck yesterday yeah. uh, in, in downtown Louisville. I, I I think this is sort of reality hitting the road, though, Davis, to to address your question. We heard from BP last week where, you know, they, they sort of talked about cutting back on some of uh, things that they're doing in, in some of this space. Um, yeah, I, I, I think this is something we're going to hear more about in 2023 is sort of like a practical reality of mm-hmm. the fact that it is not going to be some sort of like magical five-year transition where everybody will be driving EVs. This is going to be a long process. Gasoline mm-hmm. is going to be around for longer than some people want to believe or talk about. Mm-hmm. It's it's just, I think it's actually coming to a sober reality of what's happening in the marketplace. Well, Jim, I, I spoke with Jeff Cooper on Wednesday afternoon. He was testifying before Congress about something called the clean fuels standard, which would run uh, sort of parallel with the renewable fuels standard. And he schooled us just a little bit on the original intent of the renewable fuels standard while we've been screaming, why do they not see ethanol and renewable fuels as as a means to, you know, at least cleaning up tailpipe emissions? Jeff said this clean fuels standard will address that more directly. Are you familiar with this at all? Yes. Did he say uh, that starts in 2025, if I'm thinking of the right Mm -hmm. credit program? And Mm -hmm. EPA has still not announced whether or not corn-based ethanol qualifies for that credit. So that's a big issue coming up. As far as EVs, my next car will be an EV, a Hyundai uh, Ioniq 6. Consumer Reports released its annual list of 10 top cars, uh, trucks, and and SUVs earlier this week, and hybrids and electric uh, vehicles made up the majority of this year's winners. Uh, Increasingly, the share, both in the U.S. and definitely in the world, 
of cars and trucks being electric or hybrids, it's going to rise. Uh, but, I, yeah, I don't agree with President Biden, who said in his State of the Union uh, that the traditional cars have about another 10 years. I think that's an understatement. It'll be tw uh, 20 to 40 years. Now, there just needs it, to be a whole lot of new infrastructure put in. Like I, I think yeah. about that like, you go on a cross-country 10, 12, 15-hour drive, like to to but you you right now you could get stranded somewhere <laughs> if you if you couldn't get to a to a to a charging station i, I just for well, people in the city i get it for people out in rural areas i don't know i agree indeed well uh we're going to talk some more about some more things we may have to go lightning round actually when we come back with more agritalk to produce higher yields and greater value at harvest timing is everything Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. I don't know what you're thinking! So call us at 855-4-TALK-AG and tell us what's on your mind. I don't know if there's time for a phone call. I'm, I'll, just, I'll just be flat honest with you. We appreciate it, but uh, we got to go lightning round. Sean Haney, Jim Wiesmeyer. Jim, um, let's get to this while we still have time. EPA shortens window for dicamba application in some states. Go. Ooh. Uh... Wow. And uh, uh, there's a June 12th deadline for Iowa, what, Illinois and Indiana, June 20th deadline last year. South Dakota's deadline is June 20th, uh, June 30th last year. And Nebraska is objecting to the EPA moving the deadline to June 12th. Uh, so we, we still have flare ups on, on this topic. Okay. And EPA said that they're still evaluating all the options for, addre for addressing future dicamba-related incidents. So I was just going to ask, is, is this kind of what we're going to see is, you know, continued incremental shortening of, of, of the window? It, it's hard to think that it's going to get longer based on the pattern we've been seeing, but mm -hmm. it, it, this seems to kind of be where we're at right now. I, I think you hit the nail on the head, Sean. The cost of the farm bill is reaching record heights. Meanwhile, the Congressional Budget Office CEO has zero in for ad hoc crop disaster assistance. Jim, from what I'm understanding, they're going to send the ad hoc programs uh, into the uh, under the, the purview of the individual states. Um, so with the farm bill reaching record highs, is that because of a lack of ad crop disaster assistance, ad hoc crop disaster assistance? I don't quite understand. Yeah, no, I don't think that they'll leave it up to the states. They just, uh, 
CBO cannot assume policy if it's not in law in most cases. So they can't project this. But un until and unless we improve Title I, uh, the pressure is going to be on at the federal level, Davis, to have continued ad hoc disaster programs. Ironically, the taxpayer would save probably a lot of money if they would reform Title I, uh, including crop insurance, to, uh, to, uh, to find out w what were the reasons we had multiple years of multi-billion dollar ad hoc disaster payments. So yeah, the farm bill is going to be probably $1.5 trillion, but uh, if Title I is not changed, uh, farmers are just going to continue to say crop insurance is their major farm program, not Title I. Bozeman was pretty critical of some of the ads to the food assistance program. Uh, is he on the right track there? Well, he's got some elements of truth there that it needs to be just not open-ended. Secretary Vilsack just opened opened the vault uh, from a discretionary authority, I guess, perspective, even though they were mandated to change the uh, th a thrifty food plan. Well, it wasn't thrifty. Uh, but I'll tell you, you're not going to get a farm bill through through the House or the Senate if you don't give the Democrats most of what they want for food stamps. It just mm. that history says that. And that's why you need additional funding for Title I to get some reform in that area. Now, you can have some worker requirements for the food stamp program, but it can't be too onerous because, again, past farm bills have been voted down as a result of Democrats not voting for that language. Yeah, I've been seeing, uh, speaking of food stamps, the these these stories running in some of the mainstream about food stamp theft. That, yes, mm -hmm. Los Angeles, I mean, California especially. Yeah, absolutely. Millions of dollars. You've got, you got to fix that. Uh, yeah, rather than, well, not rather, uh, rather than increasing uh, the food stamp uh, funding uh, significantly, yeah, they need to look at how this, uh, in many states, this is being pilfered. Uh, in California, Los Angeles Times has run several stories the last few months uh, about that, and we're talking about a lot of money. But why would we just enforce existing laws when we can you know, make the news by making up new laws to do exactly the same thing, Jim. Well, there's, I think if they really, <laughs> I'm going to judge this new farm bill on three different, th you know, top, uh, topic, all four. Mm -hmm. One, is there a worker requirement for food stamps that that is palatable to Democrats? Two, is Title I reform to be realistic because it's out of sync right now? Three, are we ever going to get a significant increase in agricultural research public? And four, will we have an increase in funding for market promotion programs? Those last two I mentioned always talk a good game from commodity and farm groups and lawmakers, but at the very end, they re they they they, they you, you know they they ratchet it down. Those are the four things I'm looking for for any successful farm bill. Uh, another topic: the sum of money owed by U.S. households climbed considerably during the fourth quarter. Sean, they use credit cards in Canada, don't they? <laughs> oh, they they love them here too. How are they sitting? <laughs> This is uh, this is a real thing that you know our ability to cut back to sacrifice. It is you know every time I'm watching the financial news on TV and 
I see, you know, really good earnings from credit card companies. Mm-hmm. It, it's kind of a, it gives you a bit of a queasy feeling in your stomach because there's a spending consumer on the end of that, that it should be a little bit of a cause of concern. And as, as we see rates continue to go high, you know, Jim had a great piece this morning in his newsletter uh, about, you know, double digit rates, even, yes. you know, for, for farmers in, in the, in the year ahead of how that all looks. So, I think uh, debt servicing is a is a big story in 2023 as people try to deal with it. Yeah, we Last saw one. the largest quarter to quarter increase in ho- household debt in two decades. You know that that's the, 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 there's signals here that we're we're going into some key issues ahead here. Uh, you know, Davis, uh, whether it's mm-hmm. a, a recession, if if so, how deep and how long? And these interest rates, the, the financial markets finally coming to grips with the Fed, who has been saying you're not going to get a cut this year. And now there's even some chatter that the next uh, rate increase should be 50 basis points again. I'm not quite sure I think that it will be that. But uh, you're going to have uh, probably a five and a half, uh, five to five and a half percent Fed funds rate by the end of this year. And uh, that doesn't bode well. And it's not just the fact they're taking on more debt. It's the fact that how close to the knife they are financially. Mm-hmm. Like there's a reason yeah. that they're increasing that debt. Not much from a margin for error there. Yeah. Sean Haney, Jim Wiesmeyer. Gosh, guys, I really love our chats. Thanks for being on Talk with me this morning. Great work. This afternoon, hopefully we'll have Chip back with us. It's your pal, Davis Michelson, AgriTalk.